Welcome to Monkey Off My Backlog, the podcast where we exercise our pop culture demons by tackling our media to-do lists one week at a time. I'm your host, Andy, and with me are my co-hosts, Dr. Sam. Hola. And Tessa. Hi. That's hello in Danish. This week, get your reading glasses on. We're not doing books, we're doing subtitles. That's right, we're doing international films this week. This week, Tessa watches the film narrated by Nasir Khan and Jamie Lannister. Sam watches an Almodovar film about maternity starring Penelope Cruz. The, the, the new one, the new one. And I sit down for Dindin with the fam. I, by the way, Andy, really fast, like, if you're trying to choose between one of the five openings we just did, mm-hmm. I like the one where it sounded like you were saying it was monkey off of your backlog. Like, we were just doing stuff that's on your backlog. Yeah, monkey off of my backlog, that's right. <laughs> the podcast where we focus on just doing me. So, international films, that's right, films that aren't in English. Time to have some fun. Let's, uh, let's start with uh, this week's first contestant, Tessa. Tessa, what? are we racing them? Are they competing? Yes, they're 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 competing at, at the at the Academy Awards this March. I'm just saying, mine is actually called Flea. So out of all of them, I feel like maybe it's the speediest. Okay, but just to let you know, this is called Monkey Up on Backlog, not Monkey Up My Backlog Sans Frontiers. So <laughs> there are competitions. Uh, you know, in the spirit of, I are the Olympics still going on? Uh, I believe they, I believe they end today. Cool. Yes, yes, yes. Okay. So we'll be giving out a bronze, a silver, and a gold medal uh, for no discernible reason. Tessa, what did you do? I, as I just mentioned, watched the 2018 Danish animated docudrama directed by Jonas Poor Rasmussen, Flea. Wait, 2018? Yeah. But it's an Oscar nomination this year. I don't know what to tell you. Oscars it, are weird. It was so, yeah, it is weird the way that Oscars often have rules about animated film. Well, not animated films. It's weird how the Oscars often have rules about international films. I'd like to actually look that up. I didn't before this episode. But this film was selected as the Danish entry for the Academy Award for Best International Film, where it received a nomination. It also was nominated as a Best Documentary Feature and Best Animated Feature. It's the first film to be nominated in all three categories, which is what first piqued my interest, because I found the idea of a animated documentary to be fascinating. <laughs> I mean, like, you just don't get many of those. All right, uh, Tessa, apparently Flea had its world premiere on January 28th of 2021. But it was scheduled to premiere the year before uh, and right. got but- postponed because of the pandemic. So my guess is because it was animated. Like, this movie has been in the works since 2018. So, like... Yeah, it's been a while. You know, yeah, but it is... I this guess isn't it is- a Grammy situation. Right. So, it, okay. I will correct myself. 2021's flea. Okay. I, I, just, I, just, I just know that there are people like me who are pedants, and they also have access to Twitter, just like me. And they will shoot you down for saying the wrong year. 
eh. because I'll tell them to. Not um, the worst. Anyway. Not the worst thing that's ever happened to me. Eh. Okay, so an animated documentary, though, that to me that goes against what a documentary is like inherently, because you, you know I don't want a documentary with uh, reenactments, right? I, I don't. It, it's so weird. Um, well, I. I think this is fascinating, the way that this movie is put together. So basically, the premise of the story is that we're being told, sorry, the premise of the story is that Jonas Poer Rasmussen, who is the creator and director, is interviewing a man named Amin Nawabi, who is who, had, who tells the story of how his family fled from Afghanistan in the late 80s uh, when the Taliban took over the country. And their struggles to find a place where they could safely live and the different places that they've had to live and the different ways that they had to try to smuggle themselves and different members of their family into Europe specifically. So Amin Nawabi ended up in Denmark at one point in Copenhagen, and he's telling the story to Jonas. The interesting part about this is that it is animated, but the animated portions mainly are showing the interview between Amin and Jonas, as well as the stories that Amin is telling about the different places that he's lived. So obviously there isn't footage of that. So the animation takes the place of his of of what happened, but he's narrating the entire experience. So it's it's kind of like if you took a podcast, which it is, the interview is very much yeah. set up like a yeah. podcast. Andy, have you seen the Ricky Gervais show? No. That's when they took a podcast and animated it. That's exactly what this yeah, is. Yeah, that's kind of like what this is. But the animation is also interspersed with footage from some of the historical events, the news events of the things that he is describing as well. So there is like animated footage and then there's real life footage, non-animated footage, I guess I would put that. So it is put together as a documentary, but the animated portions mainly rely on this first person narrative that Amin is telling. So, so yeah, the animated portions are like what other documentaries might do as like a reenactment though, right? Like yes. That's... Yes. Okay. But it's much better as animation, I think, than, because uh, reenactments kind of feel weird to me. Like they feel really cheesy a lot of the time or like what, how would this actor know? But the animation feels like it's a lot more flexible. Rasmussen especially does a really good job of when Amin says like, this is what happened of like, in including these incredibly detailed sketches, designs of something that happened. But then when Amin, who clearly is very traumatized, talks about like, hey, I don't actually remember what happened here. He'll like, the animation will become more abstract and more like foggy and like the 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 very small details that Amin remembers will be in the animation, but it won't be as detailed. So it sort of mimics like the way that some memories are sort of obscured by like a cloud of trauma or, you know, just the fact that he was a kid during parts of it and he just doesn't remember certain things super well. Like that all is very well done, I think, because it sort of represents the ways in which first person narration is sort of subject to memory interpretation. 
So I just, I think that's really interesting. Or like he'll tell a story about something that happened and it was actually something that made the news. And so they'll have like the news footage. And so it's just very interesting to get like those different perspectives. I think the other reason that they went that, sorry, I think the other reason that Rasmussen went with the animation is because at the beginning of the film, they say like, this is a true story, but we have changed some names and some places to protect the identities of the people involved. And I mean, technically is in Denmark. He's in Denmark on a lie. Mm -hmm. And so like, which he doesn't admit to until about halfway through the film that he had lied to them in order to get in basically. And so I think part of the reason it's animated is to protect Amin's identity as well. So he won't get into trouble with like the, the Danish immigration authorities. So that's another really clever way I think of protecting your subject by not, you know, by basically making them animated instead of, you know, trying to like obscure their identity in other ways. Yeah. Yeah. That would uh, definitely be a, a way to protect your subject. Um, there's a documentary I watched called Welcome to Chechnya, which is about uh, basically smuggling LBGT people out of Chechnya where they might be killed. You know, like if your family finds out, it's almost like an honor killing situation. And they what they did was they actually use real cameras, but they uh, digitally, digitally changed the faces of the people who they are smuggling and to keep them safe and to keep them from getting caught going back in you, you know uh yeah yeah it it is incredibly intense so flea sounds a little bit like that like you're actually able to change and protect people a little bit without making it this obvious like we're changing the name we're, we're blurring out the faces we're changing right. the voices and we all know that like when people look at things when they look at faces, they tend to engage more with the content because we're obsessed with faces. I mean, that's why selfies get like more engagement than anything else on social media. And so I think that sometimes when you black out or pixelate or whatever a person's face in order to protect their identity, it's harder for the audience to connect with them. Whereas yeah. I can I can connect with an animated person. Like just because he's animated doesn't mean that like I can't connect with him. So I think that that's that they do a really good job of that. In in all this discussion about animated documentaries, this one's not a documentary, it's a memoir, but I thought throughout this movie that on some level this has to be a yes and to Persepolis. Yes, this so, one yes. did really yeah, remind me of Persepolis. Right, so that's that's Mejan Satrapi's uh, memoir about growing up in Iran and having to flee and that was turned in from a graphic novel to an animated film. I haven't seen the movie. I've seen parts of it, but I haven't seen the whole thing. But I've read the comic. Mm -hmm. And so this, it made me think about this the whole time. Yeah, it definitely gave me some Persepolis vibes as well. But yeah, I think that it's very interesting. And I, I like that you brought up the, uh, the Chechnyan documentary as well, Andy, because Amin is gay. And mm -hmm. the one of the reasons for this documentary is that he's like on the verge of getting married to his long-term partner, Casper, who is Danish, but mm -hmm. he is incredibly afraid of getting married uh, because he has all this traumatic, like he, he opens the film by saying like a home is somewhere that you know you don't have to run from. But then he talks a lot in the film about how when you're living in a country like this, 
you're always afraid. Like you're always afraid that you're going to have to run again or that they're going to find out something that they that would allow them to kick you out, like all of this stuff. And so it is very much also about his sexual identity and his relationships and how like the traumatic act of fleeing his country and living in all these precarious situations have really damaged his ability to have relationships. Like he even says that his partner doesn't know everything. Like he hasn't told his partner all these stories because he had an ex-boyfriend use these stories against him before. And so he's been like always afraid to tell these stories. In fact, there are, there are situations where he won't tell Jonas things until much later. He'll say, I don't want to talk about that right now. And he, it won't be until later in the in the movie that they'll sort of go, circle back around to that. So I, I thought that was interesting. There's also multiple languages. We, we're talking about how the language in these films works. The really interesting part about this movie is that it was originally made with uh, the conversations between Amin and Jonas in uh, Danish, but the... Two of the executive producers of this film were Riz Ahmed and Nikolaj Kosterwaldo, and they actually do English dubbing of the conversations between Jonas and Amin, which is the version that we watched. But a lot of the conversations that happened in the past are still in various languages, depending on where Amin was at certain times. So I I don't know enough about the languages spoken in Afghanistan to know what language specifically they were speaking in this film. It's either Dari or Pashto. Those are like the two main languages. Listeners, if you know the difference, I'd love to know. Like I I legitimately like to know about languages. There's a lot of Russian also spoken in this movie because they go yeah, to Moscow. In the 80s. Yeah. yeah. And but they also have to go to Moscow. Um and it, a lot oh. of the movie is them trying to get out of Moscow, trying to get into Western Europe. So yeah, there's a lot of that as well. But yeah, I, I would say there's a lot in this. And, and Riz Ahmed and Nikolaj Koster-Waldau do an amazing job. They're both really, really good in this. But I would just say that this movie is really, it's only an hour and a half long. So it would fit in your 90 minute window, Andy. I know yes. you enjoy that. But it also is just very, it's very hard to watch because... It does deal with some very serious subject matter. It deals with the ways in which Western Europe has made it incredibly difficult for human beings who are fleeing death and horror and torture to survive. It there are some real like moments where you know fingers are being pointed at very specific entities in western europe right and a lot of the things that happen to amin and his family are very horrific so i would definitely not say this is a light watch but i think it's a very important watch because we know that these things are still happening right um we hear news reports all the time about refugees and the struggles that they go to to try to get into western europe the, he he talks about human trafficking he talks about you know being in a boat that almost you know, goes down, you know, with him in it, you know, all of these things are in this, this movie, but they also still happen to this day. And I think that's why Rasmussen made this movie was not only to document what happened to Amin, but to also talk about what is still happening in a lot of these countries. And of course the U S has its own immigration problems, which, you know, this movie is not about that's U S specific, but as someone who is in the U S I could definitely see a lot of parallels between our situation and that situation. So it's a beautifully done film. I highly recommend it. 
Just maybe not if you're looking for like a light short watch. Okay. If that makes okay. sense. Oh. Fun. So uh, what's the animation style like? Is it consistent? Is it changed from space to space? Uh, oh, I think I mentioned that earlier is that like it, the scenes that he remembers really well and the scenes between him, like when he's being interviewed are very detailed. But when he starts mm -hmm. talking about certain emotions like he'll talk about his emotions and the feelings of being traumatized it'll start to get more abstract and more like uh you know trying to capture his emotional state but then other times to like there's a like a really big gap in his memory that he talks about where he's like i i legit don't know how i got from this place to this place and he's like all i do remember is like this light and there's like this the way they animate it is like it's like a fog, but then you can see like this red light kind of blinking. And so it's oh. it it kind of goes back and forth between that, those different styles. It's very flexible, but it's all very beautifully done. And you can recognize Amin from scene to scene very well, even like young Amin versus like the older Amin. It it's great. I I really liked it. I thought it was a beautiful film. Cool, cool. Uh have you seen any of the other documentaries that are nominated for documentaries? Uh, I don't think so. Uh, so this is something that we I know Sam wanted to talk about. Um, okay, yeah, we haven't seen any of the other ones yet, but we're planning on at least watching Summer of Soul. I do know that. Ready to segue to the next segment. Um, so, uh, you know, international films, or foreign films, whatever you want to call them, films that aren't in English. What uh what 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 characteristics of foreign films draw you to them? Right, like like do you go for you know uh slow drama, high action? You, you know what what uh what makes you more interested in a uh, foreign film where you have to read? First of all, how dare you insinuate that I don't want to read subtitles? In fact, I think if anybody takes umbrage with what Andy just said, I think you should definitely, and, and, and also if you have any problems with, with reading subtitles, I would invite you to tweet at our complaint department at Portly Island Boy. I'm sure that he would love to hear all of your thoughts on why you don't want to read subtitles. Yes. <laughs> he, has, he has real opinions about that. Okay, here's, here's the problem that I have with subtitles in general. And it just... Sometimes reading them can take me out of the movie, depending on one, on, on the location of the subtitles, the actual subtitles themselves. Two, sometimes whoever made the subtitles didn't do it right, and they're, uh, they're not easy to read. You know, if you have a very bright movie and you use yellow subtitles, I hate you. Yeah, or like white subtitles against a white background. Uh, but some sometimes like it 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 does improve. Sometimes I also use subtitles like closed captions for very British movies because I need to adjust. Uh, I did this with the BBC Sherlock. Like I would have to have like the subtitles on for like half an hour to like. So this is actually adjust. a source of disagreement between Sam and I in our watching styles. Is that I like having closed captions on for any movie or television show that I watch. Ooh. I just sometimes I don't hear lines correctly or I don't put together. I have a hard time putting together what people are saying exactly. 
And sometimes I don't like having to turn up and down a film because their sound mixing isn't very good. So a lot of times I'll just have closed captions on because I just prefer to have that there. Sam does not like that in English films. I've, I've read some really interesting things recently about how there are supposed to be two or three sound mixes done. You know, if you're going to show something theatrically, it needs to be compressed differently for home video release and then also for streaming. But they don't do this. So I this this falls under the I'm not ADHD. I don't have ADHD, but my my mom will tell you that growing up, whenever I watched TV, I was doing two other things at the same time. I cannot be dependent upon looking at the screen the entire time. That's not going to work for me. So that's why the you know the closed captions don't work for me. So if I'm going to watch a film with subtitles, I have to invest in it. As a matter of fact, you know over the last couple of weeks, and 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 don't think we're through with this reading glasses comment. Um, <laughs> the last few weeks, I've 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 taken up a a, a new hobby, uh, taken up cross stitch, which is a family thing, but. I can't do that while we're watching a foreign film, which which is fine, fine. You know, I, I that's okay. But but also, I haven't gotten any farther into Money Heist because I can't bear to turn the dub on. And I and I was actually like, can I can I suffer through the dub of this? Like, are they really as bad as they seem? According to several things that I read very very quickly. The answer is yes, because they try to match. I don't ever want to read the words lip flap again in my life, <laughs> but they try to match the lip flap to the extent that they will change the meaning. And I'm like, dudes, I grew up in the 80s when we were still making fun of Asian dubs. OK, like, I'm glad we've moved past it, but apparently we haven't if that's what you're doing. So, yeah. there you uh, go. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's some. As somebody who watches anime, a you know famously dubbed, uh, constantly, uh, medium. Yeah, the the lip flap things can really bother me, uh, if they're not synced up. But what I can't do closed captions for is comedies, because if I get to read the punchline before the punchline happens it does take away some of the joke. See, I, I don't see it that way. I like read along with what they're saying, I guess. I've never, I've just never had that experience where I've. Tessa, are you a person who laughs out loud by yourself? Yeah, all the time. Okay, never going. There we go. That Sam can attest. Do you, do you dance while no one's watching? <laughs> Sam can attest because I will often giggle to myself or I think I like burst out in a huge belly laugh the other day over something that I read. And yeah, you were like. did. And then I forced Sam to listen to me read it to her, and then Gross. she's like, "Please stop." Gross. That that explains it. That's I'm I'm not no more comments. Just that explains it. So okay, so a foreign movie or a subtitled movie is one that you have to invest in, uh, and they are kind of notorious for being very long. I, see, I I don't know I, when I think about this question, the subtitle issue. Well, right, but the subtitle issue is there, sure. But when you say what kind of 
you know, what kind of international film? Well, the same kinds I would also like to watch in it. Like, it, I don't, I, okay. okay. I'm not going to watch French New Wave on purpose. Sorry, guys. I'm not going to. Okay. Right. I'm not, uh, I've seen, I've seen going over to Italy. I've seen eight and a half. Okay. You know, I, Fellini does nothing for me. But, you know, so like when it comes to like, the international classics, fine. I, whatever. It's nice to know, you know, you know, some countries have like Korean horror, right? Has been a big thing. Like, I kind of know that's a niche thing. And so that's cool. Like, you know, I'm not the biggest horror movie fan in the world, but if you tell me there's a Korean horror film that's really good, there's a higher likelihood that I will say, okay, let's watch that than if it was an American horror film. Mm. You know? See, uh, because I like meta stuff, when stuff gets meta, I'm, I'm very, very interested in it. And uh, foreign movies are more willing to get meta. See, I think, I, I think that there's a tendency, and I'm, t- I'm going to try to say this very carefully because I am actually, what I tend to do is I get into certain regions and certain time periods and certain genres, and then I want to watch all of it. So, like, right now I'm going through a real, um, what do we call the genre that I'm watching right now with a uh, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon? Uh, the Wire. Oh, um, yeah. Wire. Wushu. Wushu. Yeah, I'm on, a, like, a really big Wushu kick right now, but I'm also, yeah, just, like, Hong Kong cinema. We went through a lot of that last year. I plan on continuing that. So, like, you know, I'll get onto these, like, little kicks where I'm, like, I want to see everything by this director or I want to see everything in this particular genre right now. I think that there is an issue sometimes, though, in the U.S. when we say, like, oh, yeah, like, what are your favorite international films to immediately go to Asia, which is fine. There are a lot of really great Asian films, but there are other parts of the world that have really great cinema as well. And that's something I've been trying to work on. Like, I would really love to see some more Nigerian films because Nigeria is apparently like having a huge renaissance with their cinema right now. I would like to see more Bollywood films because I've never really gotten into that. What I wish is, is that somebody, and if this exists, listeners, and I just don't know about it, please tweet at me at Suela Tessa, because I was thinking about this the other day. I would like somebody to put together like intro lists, like intro to Nigerian cinema, intro to Bollywood, intro to like a, a essentials list. I'm not talking about like an extensive exhaustive list. I'm talking about like if you want to have a conversation about this kind of cinema, you need to have seen these six films or these six filmmakers or whatever, because, yeah, I am very interested in having these conversations and expanding my vocabulary when I'm talking about international film, but I don't, I, sometimes it can be a little overwhelming to know exactly where to start because I'm just not familiar with the language of that particular cinema, right? Like, I don't know where to start with Bollywood cinema exactly. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. For, for, for me, it has something to do with like, if the premise meshes well with what I know of the, that region's, uh, stuff right that that region's like tropes and stuff like um there's a movie called in order of disappearance which was remade i believe as cold pursuit with liam neeson uh but the um by the same director by the way so we just remade it in english um 
but like some of the jokes and stuff like like knowing that it's a oh oh man i need to make sure in order of disappearance is it norwegian or swedish or fin uh norwegian okay norwegian right the uh the jokes and stuff like like imagine like oh yeah this premise will go well with like the norwegian sense of humor right well i guess what i'm trying to say is is that there are there are whole traditions of cinema that i don't know what the tropes are that i don't know who the big directors are so it'd be cool if i could go somewhere and have like a short list of in this like region in iranian cinema like these are like the Mm -hmm. big directors or these are like the classic classic films because i know that a lot of these countries do have like thriving cinema and i know that sometimes it's hard to access those but if i do have access to it i would like to actually know like here's the starting point like here's the con where the conversation starts yeah i mean there was a i we need to do this with a lot more because, of course, you know, right before the pandemic, Bong Joon-ho, it, it looked like there was going to be a real victory lap for, you know, Korean filmmaking. And, and of course, the pandemic swept that off. But we tend to do this in America where Hollywood sucks the oxygen out of almost all the room and there's only room left for one thing. Like there was a real moment, uh, mid-aughts, I want to say, mid-late aughts. For uh, Spanish-speaking directors, you had, you know, you had Del Toro, uh, you had Cuaron, um, you had uh, Iñárritu, Almanbar, and Almodovar, of course, who we're going to talk about later. And it was like, you could have conversations about all five of those directors at once, and there's a decent chance if you're interacting with somebody who also enjoys films that they've seen films by all five of these people. And that was exciting. Yeah. You know, that was a moment. And of course the Spanish speaking world is huge. And we're talking about, I believe three Mexican directors and one Spanish director and one Spanish Chilean director. Um, mm-hmm. uh, so, I mean, that's not even a really good representation, but the fact that we could talk about five of these directors at the same time, we can't do that with, I couldn't name you five Korean directors right now. Andy, maybe you could, but I'm willing to bet you that, you know, I know for a fact right. I couldn't name any other group of directors like I could those, those guys who are all right, great. Right. It's, it's really fascinating. Uh, and I was, I was reading, uh, or not reading, I was listening to a podcast with somebody who's uh, into Brazilian cinema and they're, and they're from Brazil. And they're talking about how, like, the Brazilian films we get in America are not the ones that are super popular in Brazil. Like, like, like they are the ones that are handpicked to be like, oh, these are appealing to a uh, international audience. Have your have your friends send us like top five Brazilian films. Like, I, no, I'm serious. Like, mm-hmm. I want like intro guides to to some of this stuff because I feel like I'd be less overwhelmed because yeah, I usually rely on things like the Oscars or things like this is a really good, like somebody will tell me, Oh, this film is really good. And I'll be like, okay, like I'll watch it. I would actually really like something that's a little bit more systematic. Kind of makes you wonder if the, the films that get imported or that get um, chosen to represent the, the, the country at the Academy Awards, it's kind of like Eurovision. Yeah, that's music that comes from that country. Yeah, yeah, and I also kind of wonder too if they consider because the Academy is mostly American, 
if they're just like, oh, like, how is this going to do at an American audience? You know what I mean? Like, they have to, like, think about it's like that It's aspect. like reverse Hollywood foreign press. Yeah. Where it's like, here's what everybody not in America likes. You, you, you really, you telling me that Emily in Paris is one of the most popular comedies in the rest of the world? You, really? Straight face. <laughs> Gonna tell me that. Is Phil Collins that popular, guys? I don't think so. I mean, Phil Collins might be. Well, it is. Well, no. I mean, like, I don't. I, I can't think of a single thing that's gonna make that. Like, <laughs> I mean, it's not. It's not Sex in the City stands across yeah. the world. I mean, that that's very. I think located in one or two places. All I got is Phil Collins. I, I got say, nothing. I think I told someone the other day that it was made by Darren Star, and they're a huge Sex in yeah. the City fan, and they didn't even know it was made by Darren Star. So. This is this is our idea of international. Yeah. <laughs> Which yeah. is kind of the point of that show. But yeah, I think I think to it, this is a long way of answering your question Andy, but honestly, I'd be interested in watching any any genre of foreign film, like any genre of film that I like in English, I'm probably going to like it not in English too as long as I have subtitles. Yeah, and I mean same thing, like if I see a really good movie by a director, I'm much more likely to go seek out that director again. I don't watch Chanwook Park movies because he's, you know, Korean. I watch him because I saw Old Boy. Yeah, same with Del Toro. And I wanted to watch more. That's weird. Hold on. <laughs> <laughs> same with Del Toro and me. I, I have been a huge Del Toro fan for a long time. So, yeah, I guess that's the other answer to your question is I do follow certain directors as well. Yeah. Um. What uh what what is what is fun? I think you should uh, consider looking at the list of submissions to the Academy Awards because these are where you know each country says like this is our best film of the year, uh, and they submit it. Yeah. And speaking of this is our best film of the year, and they submit it. Uh, Spain did not submit Parallel Mothers. They did not because they're fools apparently. Right. <laughs> they they submitted The Good Boss. I just feel like if you're Spain, you know, he comes out, Aldevar comes out with a movie every one or two years. You can't send it in every every time. You got to let somebody else have a turn. I guess that's where they're coming from. Sorry. Go on. Okay. Well, then let's talk about Parallel Mothers. <laughs> Wait, who is a director that you follow, right? Yes. Who is Pedro... Omdivar. <laughs> who is? Who is that international man of mystery? I'm trying to figure out where you should put queer in that. Queer international man of mystery? International queer man of mystery? Or international man of queer mystery? I, I just have to say at this point that when we started this movie last night, <laughs> I was like, all right, I'm just waiting for the queer stuff to happen. Because every movie... Is, was Pain and Glory your first Omdivar movie, it Tessa? Was. It was? Yeah. Okay. Uh, the, the poster for this is really disturbing it got banned from instagram temporarily they apologized <laughs> which is the only time that is the only time in instagram history somebody has been apologized to for removing a female presenting nipple and wouldn't you know it it was a man they apologized to yeah hey, but hey that, that, get I mean, your it, shit it is together just a disturbing image <laughs> Uh, well, I mean, I think that's a whole genre of international film is the disturbing image. That's true. Yes. They're much better. They, and by they, I mean literally not America, is much better at this 
So this is someone you follow. What's your experience? Have you yeah. seen all of his films? No, no. Uh, I I would like to no, I wouldn't like to meet the person who's seen all of Andavar's movies because I would feel very intimidated. Um <clears throat> so if you're not familiar, and I imagine there's a good chance you are, uh Pedro Andavar is a Spanish director, writer, producer. He is a hyphenate. And Fan of Penelope Cruz. Right, well, we'll get to that. Here are the films that uh, by Andavar that have been nominated for Oscars in some form or another. So he had a breakthrough in 88, Women on the Verge of a Nervous Breakdown. There's some years there. And then 99, Todo Sobre Mi Madre, which won for foreign language film. Uh, Abre Con Ella, which won for screenplay. Volver, Pain and Glory, Parallel Mothers. So this is somebody who it's a good chance if, you know, you don't say I hate to read subtitles, there's a darn good chance you've heard about this director. Whether you've seen him or not kind of depends on a couple of things. Um, I'm not going to say that Aldevar's niche, but I am going to say that... Uh, to see an Omnivar film is to know that you're getting into a some kind of examination of masculinity, femininity, and what it means to be queer. And moms. Okay. Uh, so I, I, I really, really need to know, is that how you say his name? So I, it's, this is one of those I've heard it both ways thing. Um, the it really depends on how short you pronounce the O between M and D. So right. uh, if you heard Tracy, um, not Tracy Jordan, um, Tracy Ullman. No, the the guy who announced the Oscars with, um, uh, you know, the short old dude with the southern accent. Oh, let. Leslie Leslie Jordan Jordan yeah I knew one of the words was right so Leslie Jordan pronounced it Almodovar okay Um, Uh, Leslie Jordan was really struggling that day well yeah Yeah. I mean that wasn't the only one he struggled with but I've I've heard so many people pronounce and I'm not just talking like you know dumb Americans um it's it's kind of like um to me it feels like the difficulty in pronouncing uh the G um in in uh Igbo. Okay. I know it's there um, and I know how it works, but I can't make myself do, say it. Do do you do you want me to tell you how he says you should pronounce it? Go on. Any way you want. Right. So Omdavar it is. Sorry, sorry, I just I just that that that's another thing where I've always heard it just Almodovar. Um and and I will like like was like oh oh is this no, how you're supposed to pronounce it but well that's how i pronounced it one time to people who knew better and the look they gave me told me i pronounced it omdavar and that's how okay. i've always pronounced it since then because i don't want people to look at me like that <laughs> i don't like that it's not fun i, I just listened to uh him on the graham norton show he just goes any way you want i don't care i don't know i would be so intimidated to meet him but he's probably like one of the coolest people on the planet um again he hangs out with penelope cruz well yeah and and so i mean the other thing about Andavar is um you should you should expect some sort of discourse on family and sexuality and it, you know you're gonna have antonio banderas or penelope cruz 
in whatever movie. There's like a really good chance. Or uh, um, Javi, is Javier Bardem ever been in an Almodovar movie? So um, I'm trying to remember. He hasn't been in any of the ones that I've seen. Um, uh, Gael Garcia Bernal has been in a movie that I'll talk about here in a little bit. But but yeah. Um, so I've seen. He's a very prolific director. I mean, he has a movie uh, every year, every 18 months along that schedule. And so um, I haven't seen Women on the Verge of a Nervous Breakdown. I've seen all the other films that I've mentioned so far. I have also seen his 2004 highly controversial film, the second NC-17 movie I saw in the theater, La Mala Adicacion, which is about all about Catholicism and child abuse through the lens of metafiction. And the main character we would now refer to as a trans character. So it's Aldevar is not afraid. He is not afraid. He is not afraid. He does not care what you think. And I think that, I mean, he's never. Uh, you think about all the the Spanish speaking directors I mentioned earlier. Aldevar has not come to Hollywood, and I don't think he will. I don't think Hollywood could handle him and he's not willing to compromise, which I think is awesome. So let's, uh, so when, so when you talk about like, so, you know, Andy made fun of us for, for, for watching, uh, using this to only talk about our Academy watching thing. And I, so I, we talked about this a little bit last week. I, I would, I would justify this as if I needed to, but I would justify this by saying that, Omdavar is, until I have watched every single film he has made, he will always be on my backlog. And any movie that he makes is instantly on the backlog. So, I mean, like, yeah, I could have watched Women on the Verge of a Nervous Breakdown for today, but I'll get to it. Let's talk about Parallel Mothers yeah. then. Tell us about this particular film. So, as, as Andy mentioned, Parallel Mothers is not nominated for um best international film penelope cruz is nominated for best actress i i mean let first of all penelope cruz has won an academy award has she won it for let's see hold on um she was nominated for volver that is a one woman film that is like a showcase for her more than usual. She did not win. She's also been um, nominated for, for Nine, the, um, the musical by the guy who did Chicago. Um, That's the one about Fellini, right? I, yes. Yeah. Yes. She won for Vicky Cristina Barcelona. <laughs> she won for her turn. She, she is Pedro Almodovar's muse. But she won for a goddamn Woody Allen film. So she won't win this year either. I think that the category is too stacked. I think that she doesn't stand out in this as much as she did Volver. And, and I would be happy to see her walk away with it for this movie. I just don't think it's going to happen. But um, so... All you need to know is that this is an Omnivore movie starring Penelope Cruz. That, I shouldn't have to tell you anything about it. But, um, 
But you're going to. I'm going yeah, to. I was yeah. say, so I, I need something more than that. I have not seen something. a single no. album right. of our movie. Here you go. Here you go. All right. Here you go. So uh, Parallel Mothers is about what paternity, maternity, familial bloodlines, what those things actually mean. Not in terms of legality or anything like that. Just what does it mean to say? I am the child of, I am the father of, the mother of. What do these things, what do these things mean? And so he explores this through two threads. There are two threads running through this movie. The first one is, uh, so Penelope Cruz's character, um, and it's so fun watching all of our movies with the subtitles because I can just about keep up with what's actually being said out loud, but I'm terribly afraid I'm going to say her name wrong. Uh, Yanis. I mean, she's named after Janis Joplin, but um, there is a burial pit from the Spanish Civil War outside of her hometown, and she's working with an organization to get it excavated to give you know her family closure. And the second thread is she's just had a baby, and there is this is in the trailer. We we you know we I was trying to figure out if there was a spoiler alert to this, but it's in the trailer. The increasingly disturbing fact that her baby looks nothing like her or her father. So, if those seem like two completely different stories to you, they are. And then Omdavar figures out how to make them come together in a very satisfying way. That's, that's his strength. Hmm. Interesting. And this is not the first time he's had Penelope Cruz play a mother because she played the mother of the main character in Pain and Glory, which was the yeah. last film that he did. Oh, I mean, like, this is this is like Omdavar bingo. <laughs> Penelope <laughs> Cruz, mothers, queerness. I mean, ev- everything scene. you yeah. could possibly want. So what stood out to you in this film? Besides uh, all those things you just mentioned. Yeah. <laughs> uh. <laughs> I I thought this was so, uh, you know, when I talked earlier about the films that I had seen, there was like a between Volver and Pain and Glory, there's 13 years. And and I was like, was he still making movies? And he was. But it seemed like, I don't know, this could be just me, but it seemed like he kind of dropped off uh, our like, I'm still fairly mainstream, right? When it comes to international films, like Omdavar is like just right there on the fringe of mainstream. And it feels like he dropped off of that fringe. Uh, that could just be me. But this feels like a fairly standard Omdavar film. And what I mean is, like, good verging on great. That's what, a, that's what his standard is. Good close to great. And, and so this one's really good. I, I think it's, a, it's hard for me to pinpoint a place to start. I wouldn't start with Bad Education. That is not the first Omnivar movie you should watch. But literally, any of the others would be good places to start. This one is interesting because uh, we don't really know much about the Spanish Civil War. I mean, In the you, U.S., you, you mean? You, exactly. I mean, when you're talking about international features, right? We're being invited into, we're being invited into another culture. I mean, that's... That's the thing. It's more than just about the fact that they don't speak English, although that's the rule, I understand. But it's an opportunity for another country to say, 
listen to what we're trying, listen to this story. And of course, Spain didn't pick this one, but they should have because we, people who aren't directly concerned with it or its uh, aftermath, don't know a lot about the Spanish Civil War. And this movie challenges you to learn a little bit about it. Um, the, 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 the place that uh, Penelope Cruz's character is from, it, these, uh, a large number of people from that town uh, were killed during the Spanish Civil War. And, and what we learn throughout the film is uh, that um, the, the rebels executed just innocent bystanders. Um, and that's who are in this burial pit. And, you know, we went to look after the film. You know, commonly the number a million is cited as number of deaths as the result of the Spanish Civil War. But up to 200,000 of that, it's believed that it was just rebels going around and taking people out. And, and so uh, there's a lot of, like, even if you don't know any of that, you you understand uh, the the collective trauma that's come out of this, the fact that the government isn't funding these excavations. The, you know, these people from these towns and these villages are having to beg uh, NGOs and other organizations to help them preserve remains, dig them up so they can honor them. And this is something that happened in 1936 through 1939. I, that's not something I knew about. That's not something we learned in school. So, I mean, like, it's Omnivar, but it's also an invitation to an education. Right. And Omnivar is not the only director to explore this. Like, Del Toro oh, no. has, especially yeah. through Pan's Labyrinth is the one I'm thinking of. I think it's hard sometimes for the, like, the United States to connect with another country's cultural trauma in this way. Right. Like there's a big conflict. There's a scene in this movie where two of the characters, uh, Janice is one of them. And there's another character have a big fight about what this means to her. And she basically, you know, is like, no, like you need to learn like the history. Like it's important to know this history. It's important to not just look away from it. Right. To, to know what happened. And it's, it it is really interesting because yeah in the US we maybe don't think about the Spanish Civil War all that much but there's a lot of parallels about what's happening into this in this movie to the way that the US currently is trying to brush certain things under the rug in education contexts yeah. so there's there's a lot of those parallels as well well and the other thing is too if uh you know looking at this movie i just lost it it's gone train of thought's gone oh no it left it might come back. I'm just going to say that the only thing I know about the Spanish Civil War is beyond uh, what uh, Del Toro has done in his movies is uh, George Orwell fought in the Spanish Civil War and wrote about how to throw grenades at fascists. Right. Yeah. There's a lot of like, I think there's probably more about it in European writing in general than there is like in the US because it just seemed we even call it a civil war and I'm not sure they would call it that either yeah. so okay. I, i'm curious so the train came back right okay. all right so train me back so to the back station to, back to that best international feature category i think every year tessa and i have watched the academy awards together which is literally every year we've been together 
I we say the same thing. I wish we had watched that one. Oh, that one looks good. Next year we're gonna watch them all. And you know, I say this about all the major categories. I get stalled out. I usually get all the best pictures. I try to get all the acting. I'm aspirational. Like I think this year we might do it. I think because we have a plan. We got organized. Thank you, Mumble Discord. Especially uh, friend of Especially friend of the pod, Megan. Thank you for your help. Also, thank you, Andy, for doing an international themed right. week, helping mm-hmm. us check off two of those things. So and, <laughs> and, and purpose, to be perfectly honest, like it worked. I mean, we would have watched Flea. We would have watched Parallel Mothers, but I'm excited to see those those other you know, three right. films that we don't get to every year to see, you know, because it, it, it's <sighs> drive. My car is on the list as somebody who's had, as somebody who's had to teach world literature at the high school level, we run into this problem that world literature becomes the study of world atrocities. <laughs> what? Every international film that gets nominated for an Oscar Every international film that you watch shouldn't be some like documentation of how terrible people are all over the world. That doesn't mean Parasite wasn't a great film, and it absolutely deserved to win Best Picture, period. But, you know, we should be able to appreciate international films that do other things. Um, you know, but at the end of the day, Andy, as you said, each country gets to pick their submits and we're going to watch them all this year. But I mean, that's the thing to me that's really important is you shouldn't, you know, pigeonhole what you're doing when you check out the world. And we tend to do that. So who would you recommend this movie to? I, um, well, you know, I mean, I, I think you could start, if you'd never seen an Omdabar film, I think you could start here. I think that'd be perfectly fine. Um, I I think this is a lot less of an issue now than it was 20 years ago. Um, when I started watching Omdabar movies, um, you really need to get your head around the fact that some people think being queer is not strange, to play on a word here. And if you're not comfortable with that, well, first of all, get comfortable, and you can get that way by watching Omnibar. Yeah, <laughs> he's very, 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 very queer. I, you know, that was the thing. Like twenty years ago, when I first started watching, I was like, "Oh, this is this is kind of uncomfortable because I'm okay with this in theory." Somebody who's you know not not been exposed to to a whole whole lot other than being you know knowing a lot of things existed, but seeing them on film for the first time with Aldevar, um, I think about that every time I watch Aldevar. It's pretty funny. Um, I have to say one other thing. There are some extreme close-ups in this movie. It's like, bro, why are you doing that? There is some filmmaking things that really bother me. Because I'm like, you're shooting on a green screen, right? You're shooting on a green screen. Uh-huh. Please don't do that. And then you watch the person get up, walk into the background, and interact with a person and props behind them. It's like, dear God, that's <laughs> deep 
focus? <laughs> that looked like a bad like video game intercut. How are you doing that? And why? Zoom out a little bit. <laughs> that said, the movie was really good. I, I have to just add here at the end because it's something I, it, it goes with a conversation we had two weeks ago when I talked about The Bodyguard. Remember how I said there's not enough romantic thrillers in the world? <laughs> if you want a little romantic thriller in your life, this movie has some of those vibes. This movie almost turned into horror. Like it we did. weren't sure where it there was, was going. There was a moment where I was like, it's going to turn and I don't know which way it's going to go. So if you're if you are interested in that, there is a, it's sexy. It is sexy in a way that I don't think. Well, it's Penelope Cruz. It's I mean, Penelope like, Cruz and it's Omnivar, but it's sexy in a way that I don't think a lot of movies get to be anymore. Like yeah. they just aren't. But like you said, Omnivar doesn't care. He knows what he wants to talk about. So see, that's that's the dream, right? Being 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 good enough to not care. Yeah, being good enough to not care. Speaking about. Being good enough to not care. Andy, I know you're going to tell us about an indie horror or an anime today. Uh, yes, actually, I'm talking, I'm going to be talking about. Or, or could it be both? No, it is not. Could it be both? It is a, uh, it is an indie horror movie. It is The Feast. All right. Feel like I want like a like a triangle. Yeah, I feel like we need some kind of like visual representation, like a whiteboard or something. Hold on, I got, I got this. Hold on, do you have an air horn? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Our DIY sound effects. That's right. We're doing indie horror on Mumble. Indie horror. You know, like two months from now, I'm going to do an indie horror film and just blow his mind. It's going to be great. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll, We'll see. I don't even know if you can name an indie horror movie. Bit. I already did that yeah. one though. Yeah, but I can name it. I really, that was not what he said. I really thought you the were just going to name the. Oh feast. wait, we're talking about that. <laughs> oh, I didn't think about that. That would have been good. That would have been pretty that good. That would have been smart. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So I did a a a Welsh indie horror movie. Ooh, wait, Welsh. I can't. I can't. Is it can't. in that Welsh? Is, that is a xenophobic joke, and I won't make it. Well, don't make a xenophobic joke gonna be about the fact that they speak english but that's only kind of was true. it in yeah was, was it, it in, welsh, in welsh or was it in english ah there we go that was the that's, question i was waiting for that's um, one of the reasons best foreign film category is a trash name and i'm glad we're rid of it right yeah, yeah. international is better um, yeah yeah so the answer is it is in welsh the language hey, welsh. we did it um so, so but, is, the, is the horror the number of vowels and consonants together but uh here here's the thing. I I didn't know that going in. Uh I, I I didn't plan on making this my my international movie. Is this a hunt is it 100% Welsh or is it back and forth? It's 100% Welsh. Wow. 100%. Perfect. So Me. So I started this without subtitles on and I was so confused because in 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 my in my head like Welsh as as a language, and someone says like, "Oh, it's a Welsh movie." Yeah, I figured the the Welsh accent, right? So so I'm sitting there like, I think I'm getting some of these words. Is their accent, is their accent that that thick? Tessa, 
<laughs> I, so I took a semester of Middle Welsh, which is the Welsh that they were speaking in what we consider the Middle Ages. So I was translating bits of the Mabagonian, for an example. There are some words that sound, that there are some words that clearly made it into English in some ways. Mm-hmm. And what's fascinating is that they really had to do a lot of work to resurrect Welsh. It's one of the few examples of a language that was almost dead that they basically brought back from from the dead. So the mm-hmm. fact that this film is 100% in Welsh is actually kind of a like cultural victory. So I'm really excited to hear about it and perhaps yeah. watch it myself. Uh, I, I just watched, Andy, the episode of The Crown where they force Charles to go to Wales and study with a uh, professor of Welsh for a semester because, you know... You should kind of be able to speak the language and have some basic knowledge of the people that you are allegedly prince of. So that was like getting to see that and see him struggle to learn parts and bits of Welsh was fun. And then he gives his speech in Welsh. Mm. That is literally the only in relationship I have with Welsh. So how, how'd that go? Yeah. So, so uh, eventually I realized like, oh, wait, this is a movie you know because it's it's one of these things where like oh it's recommended uh you know it's called welsh i think it's going to be in english right because it's just oh it's a welsh film uh and it is uh very 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 not in english uh once i once i finally turned on the (laughs) subtitles and restarted it i was like oh this makes so much more sense right i i think it's interesting and i'm sure nigel would have a lot to say about this if she was on here because it's interesting when people say something like oh well like non-english speaking films they often assume that everybody who lives in what's considered the british isles right. although nigel would probably take issue with that statement as well i, I think nigel english. at this point is like reached through the the internet and like tried to strangle me already right so yeah like, hopefully we, we really should have <laughs> had her on this week i just didn't think there was enough I, uh also, time. although Andy, I want I, I think the tagline for Welsh, the language, should be aggressively not English. Yes. <laughs> As you said, like you said it, and I'm like, put that on a shirt. Put that on a t-shirt. Welsh. So, aggressively not English. So this goes back to what I was saying before about not really knowing a lot about certain areas of, of cinema. Mm-hmm. What it what do you what is what are the general vibes of this film? Like what is um, what is fe- Welsh filmmaking like? Uh, very Swedish. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. So, so first of all, this is a very modern film. It's, uh, you know, 2021. It, it was a movie I missed, uh, when I, when I was wanting to watch South by Southwest, uh, stuff. So I was just very interested because the idea is like, oh, a wealthy family gathers to dinner, uh, in a Welsh, uh, you know, the Welsh mountains and they invite two guests and, things go a little weird go go a little little off i'm not going to say too much beyond that just say that the the wealthy family comes in they uh they have hired a a local girl to help for the for the night and and it's one of those movies where you're not sure that it's a horror movie until it becomes a horror movie it is a very slow burn uh, it's only 93 minutes, which I love. And I, I won't say how it becomes a horror movie, but it's also like, oh, the hints have been there the entire time. You know, this is a um, uh, uh, the snowman kind of thing. Like, I gave you all the hints, all the clues, Mr. Policeman. Why didn't you save him? 
kind of thing. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, God, it's so hard to describe this movie. One, because it's not English, so, you know, I can't, like... It's also very okay with being quiet, and that was another reason why it took me like 10 minutes to yeah. figure out that it wasn't uh, an English movie because there was not any dialogue for the first 10 minutes. So I have a question for you, and maybe this will help. Uh, I'm going to start off with a pre-question. Okay. What's, pre-question. That mo- what's the English language movie where everybody's in the house and people start dying? Uh, Blue? So, what, it's not your next, is it? Yeah, your next, your next yeah, is, that's yeah. what I was thinking. How is this not your next? Because when you described the movie, I heard your next in Wales. Mm. Explain yeah, to me uh, how I'm wrong, and I think I'll have a better idea of what the movie is. Okay, it's a little bit more fantastical. Uh, it's a, it's okay. a little bit more like The Vich. All right, sure. yeah. Sure. Um, just, just, just in far as, as like one, um, you don't know what may or may not be killing these people, and you, you, you don't know if it's a person, if it's a natural force, if it's uh something else. Uh, you, you don't know, and it even, even does this thing where there are multiple. It gives you multiple. Hey, this could, this could be. This could be the thing. This could be, uh, you're, you know, um, one of the couple's uh, teenage kids was a doctor. Or uh, not teenage kids, uh, just like the kids that are living at home. They're both weird in different ways. One was a doctor who was fired for mysterious circumstances. Another was, it is just like uh, a burner, a burn, burn, stoner burnout type uh, who's a delinquent and a bit of a masochist. Um, the other the the father of this wealthy family is a hunter who's there's something a little wrong with him the mother also like there's there's a lot that it could be and that's one of the things that makes it fun is like okay or is it the guest is it the girl that they've hired you 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 know like like you you don't know okay so i've got another question for you but first <laughs> okay but first I can't stop thinking about this. So just a brief digression. Which would be better? Clue in the style of your next or your next in the style of Clue? <laughs> Can Tim Curry be in <laughs> your next? I like how I described your next to you and you were like, Clue, which it was a bad description. But now I can just think about that. That's all I got. Your next is already a comedy. So yeah, but it's a very different okay, comedy. We just Actually, I, I figured it out. It's your next. Sure. The whole movie, just the yeah. way it is. But Tim Curry's Tim Curry's character from Clue is in the movie. Huh. That's actually but, the right But call. also, Jim Carrey is playing his brother, <laughs> Tim Carrey, who has a giant mu- robot, uh, robotnik mustache from Sonic. Uh, see, I wanted him to have a wooden mask that's cursed. Hmm. I do um, have a I do have a serious question for you. I had a Andy. serious question okay. too. <laughs> I told okay. you I had a pre question. Yes, yeah. Andy. that was all your pre question. <laughs> that was it. That was not the real question. Andy. Yes. <laughs> so you you said it's it's quiet 
it's more fantastic than your next. We just talked about the fact that your next is a comedy. I'm assuming the feast is not. No, uh, no, no. The, the all right. So, so what else can you say about the vibe? It's oh, it's so it's so hard to describe because of the 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 quietness. It it almost is like an episode of Hannibal would be a good way to put it. As far as there is focus on the food. Darkly uh, luxurious. Nice. Yes. Yes. There, there is a, a, a luxuriousness. There is a, a calm demeanor about everything. It's, it's very good. Uh, I, I, I liked it quite a bit. Okay. So now, Tessa, now that I've wound my way through a half dozen interconnected questions. You can't just questions, keep calling them pre-questions. I At some point, my they're time. just questions. They all fit together. <laughs> Okay. Don't try to interrupt uh, my flow. I cede my time. Okay, I have one question. Not even okay. pre-questions, just one, one question. One, 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 one question. I'm unfamiliar with this concept, but we'll <laughs> give it a try. So what I really love about films like the one you're describing, when you have like a group of people who get together for dinner or are trapped in a house together or something like that is that usually these are really good vehicles for character work. And you just described like a handful of characters in this family. How would you Mm -hmm. describe the character work and the acting in this? The acting I think is very good. Um, The character work is, is interesting, Uh, man. I'm really trying to think you you're 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 purposely you don't know much about the characters going in and you really don't know much about the characters going out either and that's kind of part of the point gotcha um you 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 have an idea but also uh not as many characters come out as the ones that go in i'll put it that way fair uh, absolutely fair oh yeah it's it's really hard to describe like you get a good idea of who these characters are and you get a good idea of probably what they did and also uh you know what the killer is by the end of the film yes yes absolutely i i i think the climax is very good um i'll put it that way there's a little bit of gore there's not much but there's enough that i would say this is not a sarah uh, approved movie but it it does have the oh shit moment when everything comes together that i think like a good horror movie should have Okay, yeah, I was about to ask about our our Sarah watch scale. Yeah, yeah, no, it's this an is important a, metric for our it, listeners. It, it's still light, but you know, you, you know, there are some horrific things that happen that may or may not be uh, related to the overall like horror theme, right? Like, 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 like it may there there is an accident that happens that. It may be a genuine accident. It may not. But, it, you know, when you're preparing a, a dinner, you know, and it's a, a, a lavish meal and you're doing some intricate knife work, like, you know, something can happen to a finger. So, so <laughs> recommend, but not to people who dislike horror films. Right, right. But also not to people who, uh, if, basically, if you like Hannibal, watch this movie. Ah, ah. that's a, uh, that is a good Hannibal, the TV reference. show. Yeah. You know, right. And if 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 you're willing to do the slow burn as well. Um So if you like Hitchcock. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you if you if you're a Hitchcock person because when you get the like moment like oh, this is what's happening and this is what's going to happen. Uh it's very good. Also it it, it does um 
it hints at the folklore a little bit, but it doesn't fully address the folklore, but you have to like figure it out. So if you're a, a Welsh person, you probably understand it a little bit better. That's so, fair. Yep. So definitely watch it. Do you want but, me to tease what I'm doing next week? We don't have anything written down. I can tease what I'm doing too. I can't okay. tease anything that I'm doing next week. That, that's fine. You should do something comic booky, and then we would have an inadvertent theme episode. Yeah, because I think I'm doing a comic book too. It wouldn't be inadvertent because you told me. Should this we just more, say we're this is do more a comic of a comment than a question? <laughs> should we just do a comic book oh, theme? Oh, this is a quemet. No, that's it. I'm, I'm. I just wanted to say that. Okay. Comption. Gotcha. <laughs> you have some gumption uh, right. to ask well, a comption. That's it. Uh, where where can people <laughs> find you? Where can people find you, Tessa? You can find me on Twitter and Letterboxd at Suela Tessa. Suela is spelled S-W-E-H-L-A. Please, if you have intro lists to different types of cinema from different places, I would love to hear them. You can also find me on our sister podcast at... Na- you can also find me on our sister podcast, Nanny Ogg's Book Club, where Nigel and I are currently reading through all 41 of Terry Pratchett's Discworld novels. I think this is the week where we're going to release Small Gods. You can find that podcast anywhere that you listen to your podcast. You can find that podcast on Twitter at Nanny's Book Club and on Instagram at Nanny Ogg's Book Club. Dr. Sam, where can people find you? Tessa, I have a question. If Nanny Og is the sister podcast, what is Tessa Watches Lost? Where does it fit in the, the Mumble family? that we don't want to talk about. <laughs> I, I, I was going to say it's the cat. <laughs> You're all rude. And you can find me on Twitter at Sam underscore Morris 9. It, it is the cat. It's invasive in our feed and it'll, uh, it, it knocks over any... Uh, it'll work your way into your yep. heart. Work its way into your heart. You can find me at Andy Noted on Twitter. You can find us on Twitter at Monkey Backlog. You can email us at monkeybacklog at gmail.com. You can please rate, review, subscribe on Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you get your podcasts. So get that monkey off your backlog. <laughs>